When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres have continued their streaky ways, but this time in a positive direction as they picked up a pair of wins this weekend, beating a couple of teams that are ahead of them in the standings and the New Jersey Devils and the New York Islanders, respectively, on Friday and Saturday. On Friday night, the Sabres took on the Devils. Of course, the Devils being one of the best teams in the NHL this year. They've already eclipsed 100 points on the season, and the Sabres were able to take them down in a nice 5-4 to four victory that for a brief period, was pretty goddamn scary because Tage Thompson ended up going down in this one and getting injured, but not to fear. He was able to eventually play, though, against the Islanders. And again, the Sabres were able to walk away with a nice little 2 nothing victory. Eric Comrie picking up the shutout there. So all in all, it was a good bounce back from the Sabres, annoying that it took this long for them to kind of get back into a nice little solid stretch of play here. But as we had talked about before, as they had previously won two of their last 11, this was a couple of really important games for them to kind of right the ship. And even if the playoff chances are very, very low right now, still you want to see this team winning games here down the stretch and, and feeling like they're going to be able to end this season on a high note. So Taylor, what were your takeaways from these two games and what the landscape ahead looks like? Well, the Devils game is impressive because the Devils are one of the best teams in the league. I guess if you have one weakness, the Sabres can exploit. It's, you know, Vitek Vanacek's not any kind of superstar goalie. He's really just a solid guy. And wearing the black and reds, like uh, Rasmus Dahlin said months ago, makes them feel evil. So they scored five goals. Uh, they've scored five or six, I think, every game in the black and reds, which is pretty crazy. So that's that was a good game. It definitely got tight near the end. But like we said, they pulled through. And then the Islanders game, you know, that... The Islanders are interesting, uh, in my opinion, because the the recent Islanders team, so like uh, three years ago, four years ago, we'll call them the, the Trots Islanders teams. They were always unexpectedly better and then better in the playoffs than people thought. 
And I think part of that is a trots thing. The trots system was such a good defensive system. They more or less suffocated teams and made it impossible for those teams to have real good chances. And then you have some pretty good goaltending uh, on top of that. And then like, Hey, boom, all of a sudden that's another two, one win for the Islanders. And then last year they got kind of shitty <laughs> to say the least. They were, they're not, they were not as good and they fired trots and instead of rebuilding, I guess, cause Lou Lamorell is a uh, hundred years old. <laughs> he doesn't have time for a rebuild. So instead what he did was we're just going to rebuild on the fly with a new coach. I don't know why you just wouldn't keep Barry trots around in that situation, considering how good he was in his system and all that. But, this Islanders team actually, even though they play really boring, they're not good at preventing teams from getting good opportunities. It's Sorokin. Yep. They lucked into Sorokin, and Sorokin is almost a Vesna worthy guy. My guess is he finished a second to Allmark this year. But they actually are better at getting opportunities on offense than they are at preventing opportunities at even strength from other teams. And they really just rely on Sorokin. They play this boring style. They don't play wide open. Like it's it's they're a tough watch. It's not good. The Islanders are always a tough watch, basically, in my entire life. I'm sure they yeah. were a good watch 45 years ago when Mike Bossy was there. But, yeah, they're boring. So, like, I wasn't you – know, I was expecting a close game, but you never know because Comrie was in, and it was his first game since the 10-goal game. I was kind of surprised they threw him out there. Uh, but, hey, shut out after that 10-goal game. So, yeah. God bless him. And one more thing, the stat on that is he was the first guy to do it in the expansion era. So since 1967 to go from a 10 goal game to a shutout, the last guy to do it was a Leafs goalie in the sixties pre-expansion. And he did it on back-to-back days. His name was Don Simmons. That's insane. Oh. That guy gave up 10 goals and they threw him out there the next night. <laughs> that wow, was a wild wow. set. So I was like, wait, was? I think 1964. Oh man. You know, it was the sixties, man. Everybody was being wild and doing crazy shit back then. Don't yeah. You remember? Oh, I, I remember the sixties beautifully. I, perfect, perfect memory. Just like, just like it was yesterday. Oh, so yes. I, I think it's a really impressive stretch, but it's more of the Sabres doing what they've been doing for like, maybe the whole season. Like the, it's the meme of like, oh, we are so screwed. And like, it's, it's over, it's over. And then it's like, oh, we are so back. Mm-hmm. That's the Sabres season basically. So I fully expect them to win like two more and have everyone be like, oh, they really are back in it. And then have the bottom fall out. Yep. Can you imagine? I mean, look at the road ahead here. You have Monday against Montreal at home. Then you get a few days off until they play again on Friday against the Rangers, following that up with a Saturday game in Philadelphia. And then you play Florida. So you have a stretch coming up here where, and then Detroit after that, I should say too. So not only do you have a couple of games coming up against teams that are below you in the standings in Montreal and Philly that you should be able to take advantage of. You also have some matchups coming up against teams that you are firmly in this race against in Florida and Detroit, Detroit, of course, coming next week on Thursday, but it's there. I mean, I, I think that at this point, you know, the two and 11, stre- the two for 11 stretch pretty firmly took them out of playoff contention. I don't think that there's any realistic way that the Sabres are actually going to be able to do it. I know some of the odds out there are varying below like 10% at the absolute most. I think now it's probably at like, I I saw you had tweeted at Chad who had shared something from Money Puck that we were at like 6%, which I even feel like it's lower than that. But I agree. I don't. I haven't trusted Money Puck all year. No, it's weird. And the point you made too about how the Hurricanes somehow have double the chance of the Bruins of winning the Stanley Cup, 
when yeah. the Hurricanes are going to be without their best goal scorer, without a couple of key depth pieces, and the Bruins are just like chugging along, it is a little interesting. But... Yeah, they people always say that like it's about the path. That's why there's like the teams in the West. Someone has to make the Cup in the West, and then they'll have a chance to win it once they get there. So like Colorado and Edmonton will have good chances, and Boston has a tougher path because they're in the East. But like, right. why, is, why is Toronto ahead of them then? Why Carolina being double? It does. I mean, Carolina's going to have to face New Jersey, who's good. Well, this this shit doesn't make sense to me. Like no, they're both no. going to have easy first round matchups because the wild cards aren't good. Like Boston is going to play in the second round theoretically than Tampa or Toronto. Carolina is going to play New Jersey or New York. So it's a little bit easier, I guess, but they're also worse than Boston. So yeah, I agree. The, I agree. They also um, when the Sabres odds were like, oh, everyone's like twenty five percent. That's good. The Sabres are real odds here in January, February, whatever it was. And Money Puck had them at like fifty two, and it's mm-hmm. like, where, where are you getting this from? <laughs> But money yeah. puck is good for other stuff, but I I don't really trust their odds. Well, either way, let's talk about what we know here in the road ahead. So as it stands right now, the Sabres currently sit at 76 points with 10 games remaining, 72 games played. In the wild card driver's seat, we have the Islanders in the first spot. They have 74 games played and are at 83 points, followed by Pittsburgh in that second spot with 73 games played and 82 points. Right behind them, you have Florida. They have 79 points through 73 games. So they are three back of Pittsburgh with the same amount of games. Or excuse me. Yeah, three back of Pittsburgh with the same amount of games played. Then you have Buffalo, three points back of Florida there with one fewer game played. And then right on our tails, we have Washington. Washington has two more games played than the Sabres have, but are tied in points at 76. Behind them, Ottawa has one more game played than the Sabres at 73, and they have 75 points, so only one point back. And then lingering around there, too, is Detroit, who has 71 points in 72 games here. So, Taylor, we've talked about this a a little bit, and I guess I'm just kind of curious with where you're at right now on this. You know, I, I think that, by and large, when all is said and done and the Sabres play these last 10 games of this year, that the vast majority of the season is going to be viewed as a success, even if they don't make the playoffs, which seems very, very likely. And I think that that's fair. I think if this is a team that ends up with a points percentage over 500, I think that that's something that had you told us in the beginning of the year, had you told us as the year was going on that either way, we would still all be proud of. And also just keeping in mind the context of where the team was last year and the growth that we've seen throughout from some of the the key players on this team. But what I'm wondering from you, Taylor, is, is there a scenario, I, I know we kind of talked about this previously, but is there a scenario where you feel as though you would be unhappy with how this season has gone in a vacuum? Or do you feel like at this stage of the game, they're probably going to finish at or just above 500? Maybe they'll miss the playoffs, but you're going to have career years from a lot of guys. You're going to see a lot of this growth. We've seen so much of this growth and a lot of guys who – you know, took a step this year for one, but also the guys who are kind of gearing up to take their big step next year, namely like Jack Quinn, for example. I I guess, you know, with 10 games to go, how are you viewing this season holistically at this stage of the game? I, yeah, it's still a success for now. It was really annoying that they collapsed as hard as they did. Not that they lost to good teams because like those teams are better and I kind of expected that, but like that they gave up 10, like they got killed by Boston they uh that they lost those games to Columbus and Philadelphia that made things significantly less interesting that kind of annoyed me and even though the east is very good right now there are probably six actually good teams in the east and then the six team mushy middle that you kind of laid out there so this was actually a year to grab a wild card spot for a team that's not that great so 
in some ways that annoys me. And if they finish the season like five and five from here on out or six and four, they'd be good. They'd be above 500, even the fake NHL 500. Um, they would be actually, they might, if they go, if they win six, I think they'd be real 500. But anyway, they, they would have the most points they've had since 2012. So that's good. It'd be a step up from last year for sure. At least a 10 point step up. I think that'd be good. Just finish so much strong like that's that's give people some hope going into next year uh the playoffs are very unlikely right now especially because the bozo capitals couldn't couldn't complete their comeback last night unfortunately so i think it's uh it's safe to say that this is a pretty successful season especially given the the breakouts that we've seen and i think it's both good and scary that the main failure of the season is goaltending and I know people have complaints about defense and the defense isn't perfect and the offense didn't necessarily step up in that 11 game stretch however the goaltending was as bad as you could possibly imagine in that the goaltending was like 870 for the first three weeks of March 870 save percentage it was the worst in the league it's 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 astoundingly bad you can't win with that level of goaltending so on one hand it's like okay at least it's not a team-wide failure. At least it's mainly just goaltending that made it so that the last two months of the season weren't as fun as they should be. Uh, and instead, though, you can be scared and be like, well, that could just happen next year if they don't get a good goaltender. And there's no way around it unless you do get a good goaltender. And you know Devin Levi is probably going to be in the AHL next year. So, hey, what's your plan? That's kind of also a harrowing thing. And it's it's hard to believe that they will have a competent goaltender until they have one. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm getting at. I I completely agree with that. I think that there's enough that went right this season that you can consider it a success. And I think that for the things that went wrong, I mean, like goaltending. Again, we knew coming into the year that it was going to be a huge risk taking the approach that they were taking with Comrie Anderson, and then having UPL, of course, kind of starting in Rochester there, and then as a transition to running with the three goalies and everything. I mean, we knew what the risks were there. And I think that even though, as you'd mentioned, maybe there's been some issues on defense, there was a period there where the scoring was really hitting a wall. A lot of what the struggles that this team have been fa- has been facing throughout this season, a lot of it does come back to goaltending and the inconsistency with that. And so looking at it from like both, a, I guess, like a team perspective – as well as, and maybe more importantly, for the sake of looking at the positives here, an individual perspective for the guys who have taken those steps. I, I feel the same way that I think that even though, yeah, they, it's fair to say, I think that they screwed themselves pretty hard out of their chances at a, a legitimate shot at one of these playoff spots. I still think that enough went right this year that Again, it could be deemed a success. I think that the locker room is going to deem it a success, even though they haven't been able to make the playoffs. And again, really, you know, this season has been a lot of fun for you and I, considering it's been the most competitive season that we've had as uh, as podcast hosts. But next year is going to be a whole different ballgame because the pressure is going to be on. So a lot of really exciting things to come. And I think that at the end of the day, the the prevailing takeaway should be the fact that next year is legit like that this team is real like if they completely floundered this year and they were in the same conversation with like Montreal and like Philly and that kind of space then we'd be having a real problem here but I think that they did what they needed to do this year for the playoffs to be 
a very realistic expectation next year. But I think on top of that too, I think they've also, and this is something that I think we've maybe not talked about a ton. What they have done is done a great job of flipping that reputation that they had. I mean, when you look at where they were at the time of the Eichel trade, I don't think that there was an organization in the NHL with the exception of maybe Arizona who had worse PR surrounding the team, who had worse league-wide, I I guess, views of the team, you know? And that's among fans, among players, among front offices, like everything. Like, things were really bad, and it was very, very embarrassing. And I will give them credit that they at least now feel like they're at a point where there's some level of respect there, I think, Darlene and Tage being what they have been, I think that like Tuck and Skinner with the seasons that they've had and, and these guys taking a step and then understanding too just the wealth of youth and talent that we have right now, it feels like now the prospect of getting traded to Buffalo or signing with Buffalo is not some completely far-fetched and ridiculous thing and that somebody who wants to win very well could look at this team and say, Hey, if they, you know, maybe they do make this goal, like a goalie trade or a goalie acquisition after that happens, there could be guys who look at that and say, well, this team seems like they're kind of on the up and up and they have a lot of talent there. I mean, players, you look at post-game interviews and, and even like pre-game interviews too, of course, guys are very complimentary of the Sabres and are very aware of what the team is and of the talent on the team. And anytime that you're talking, you, you hear these sound bites from star players, even around the league. It's guys who are saying, oh, well, you know, the Sabres team, like you can't take them for granted. They're really fast and can score and have a lot of speed and skill. Like that's something that was not happening before. Guys were not going out of their way to compliment the Sabres in the way that they are now. And so it feels like they really have gained that that level of respect. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. I think and that's that's a necessary thing, because I think one of the one of the main things that could have fixed this season was good goaltending. And they almost did it. They had a trade in place to not only get Matt Murray, but also the seventh overall pick. And they didn't get it. And Matt Murray's had a pretty good year. Well, the only goalie that's been good for the Sabres is someone who can only play once a week because he has to, you know, cover his entire body in Ben Gay and Vicks Vapor Rub after the game and go in like a pod for like a week. So I, yeah, so that's that reputation's everything. I mean, I think. Taylor Hall signed here a couple of years ago, right? Cause he didn't really have anywhere else to go and he wasn't getting the contract attention that he wanted. He signed a one-year deal. He didn't come here. I'm sure the Sabres would have offered more, but he wanted a one-year deal here. Like he was, they was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And I'm sure the Eichel thing didn't help even if the Sabres kind of behaved rationally in some of the ways. So I think some guys coming here like Darlene um, and Skinner and Tage and seemingly enjoying themselves and liking it. I think that's, that's great. Yeah. It's, it really helps it, There's, there's not a lot of complaints. There's, there's been a lot of things from Leno to Berglund to Leonard guys that are like <laughs> being here made me sad. <laughs> um, and it's, and frankly, I don't think the organization for a while had a good reputation with Russians, especially during the Murray era. Yeah. So hopefully that's, that can change, but in, in general, yeah, that's, I think it's going to start to change. The, the biggest thing that makes these things change is winning and, and honestly winning this kind of way, by scoring a lot and having goaltending be your issue. Like Mark Messier shouted us out. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Uh, on I TNT. Did. He, he said that he thought the Sabres had a, a, the core to win a Stanley cup or something like that, a championship yeah. core, which yep. is great. It's honestly something I don't want to say, but I've kind of thought about 
And Mark, now that Mark Messier says it, I can say it. The Sabres, even though it's not immediately obvious that their playoff team this year and goaltending is a huge thing if you want to have an actual championship core, having a first line that scores like they do, having what seemingly will be good, a, a really good middle six with like anyone from Cousins, Krebs, Paterka, Quinn, Savoy, Coolidge, having that, having a knack for finding good depth pieces, like I'm almost ready to say Stillman is, and I'm definitely ready to say Jost is. And, uh, and then having two defensemen out there who can play a combined maybe 50 minutes in a big game if you need between Power and Darlene, yep. that's great. I mean, there's a couple deficiencies they have still, obviously, but I see what he's getting at the bones of an actual contender, not just a playoff team. It's great to have, but you have to take the next step first before you really get to – you don't want to get ahead of yourself. And it's going to be the thing that we're going to be talking about all off season is – Kevin Adams ready to make the big boy trade. You know, yeah. we, we made the point that not every GM can make the rebuild trades and, and land those perfectly. And he did a good job and deserves credit for the Eichel return for the Reinhardt return for how that's starting to look right now for Ristolainen, And obviously like he did all of that, yeah. but in the same way that not every GM can make those kind of trades, not every GM can kind of hit that like, we're going all in and doing this thing kind of trade as well. And Adams needs to be aggressive in that this off season, you cannot wait around or just be involved in the conversations for some of these guys. Like if there is a big ticket out there that you really like, you need to go out there and get them. There's no excuse. Now the team is ready next year. We know the playoff expectations. They got to do it. There needs to be a big swing and I think once we get a little bit more into the off season, you know, and maybe probably into the playoffs a little bit closer to the draft, you and I will start to do maybe some mock off seasons and everything. Cause I just think it's too early right now to do that without knowing who's going to actually be available. Who's going to end up resigning places and everything like that. But yeah, I want to see them make a big swing trade, like the equivalent of either, either a first round pick or equivalents of first round picks, whether that be obviously Ostland or Rosine, like uh, one of these, you know, higher ticket names for us, they need to be going out the door to bring back somebody that's going to provide you real legitimate impact now and obviously into the future as well. So it remains to be seen what happens, but as you had said, Taylor, the bones are there, the pieces are there. Now it's just time to fill in some of those gaps so that these guys could be ready to just run with it come next season, which I think that they will be ready for. But with that being said, let's switch over into some off the ice news a little bit. We have a couple of things we want to talk about here. And for starters, Fanatics becoming the official jersey partner of the NHL, replacing Adidas. Now the NHL is the only of the four major sports who does not have, I don't know if we want to call it a major brand, but I think we can considering all the other Jersey partners are Nike. Uh, and if you want to go as far as the MLS, they a have traditional Adidas, brand, a traditional brand. And I got to say myself, I know you, and I know the majority of hockey fans are really not happy about this for a lot of reasons here. For one, Fanatics has a very bad reputation when it comes to quality of products and customer service. There are entire Twitter accounts with dedicated followings of people who uh, accounts that will just share Fanatics jersey blunders or issues or misspellings on the jerseys or wrong emblems, like the most insane things or just like 
products that are ripped or just like poor materials being used. So you have that component of it. Again, you have the NHL not going with, uh, you know, a, a top end brand, we'll call it. I think also when you look at fanatics and other criticism is the design of a lot of their products is extremely underwhelming and really not anything innovative or anything that kind of catches your eye or gets you excited. It's just boring. And so now you're going to be partnering with them. And let's be real here. We all know that this is clearly a money decision. It's got to be a cost saving decision by the NHL. And I don't know. I just, I really don't see a lot of the the silver linings here. Like there were a couple people when I had tweeted about it from the account who had said things like, you know, making too much out of it or whatever, or somebody I think I was seeing was saying something along the lines of like, well, if they're going to become the official Jersey provider or whatever, Jersey partner of the NHL that they're going to, you know, the NHL is going to really like get the, you know, whip them into shape. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. buddy, are, Do you know are you who familiar runs with league? the NHL? Do you know Gary Bettman? I'm sorry. So if you, I'm sure everyone who watches hockey this year sees players clipping into the digital ads on the boards or having part of their body disappear. Not only did Gary Bettman not make any commitment to solving that problem, and not only did he say, well, the, their source of revenue, and I haven't heard too many complaints, he said that he had heard from fans who liked the digital ads better than the traditional ads which he'd heard from fans well first of all where folks, does gary batman hear from fans this is but. well and that's what i was going to say this is what we in the industry like to call a fucking lie he is <laughs> lying through his fucking teeth and that's the same thing you're going to get when fanatic starts to fall apart or whatever like oh oh no we ripped um moritz cider was coming through uh on a russian someone tried to grab him and his jersey just fell off I mean, I will the say fans that they're telling us that they love this, though. The yeah, fans really they, you love know it. what they're saying. We, we took some surveys in the 18 to 49 female range. They want to see more skin. No, like it's like I think the jerseys on the ice might actually be fine just because that's that's not as big of a production. And they're also taking over the Adidas facility, I think, in Quebec uh, or eh, Quebec. Yeah, I think it's in Quebec anyway. So I think that the NHL, the, the jerseys the players wear might be fine. But I don't have that much faith in that. And I also uh, think the rest of the NHL uh, apparel, like that you and I will buy, ugh, I don't know. It's not going to be good. It's going to be really bad. Like, yeah. And that's the thing that bothers me. You bring up a great point with that. This league just, I almost wish that they were just honest about it because they don't listen to fans about literally anything. Like the yeah. vast majority of fans, they do not listen to your most your most vocal fans. You do not listen to the the most united bases of the fans. You do not listen to. They go out of their way to not listen to them. I mean, holy shit! Like it it, it just feels like with this league, it's like one step forward and ten steps back with everything. Yeah. Like uh, you know, you finally get something good. Like for example, with like the TV deals you know, last year. And that feels like it's a real step in the right direction here. And then you're doing something now that's just like such a pivotal part of and like similar to the TV deal, but your ability to make money and you're just like, it feels like they're just cutting corners here. And, and it just bothers me so much that they trot out this, these bullshit statements about being like, Oh, well, what we're hearing from fans or what we're hearing from fans. It's like, motherfucker, what fans are you hearing from? Because everybody I know, everybody I see, not even just in like our circles of, of Buffalo, uh, you know, hockey fans, but 
you go to any major hockey journalist, sports journalist, and if they're talking about any of these issues, it is almost universal that fans are united in their distaste for the NHL's decision making on all of these items. Like it, yeah. it's 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 so much more than the jerseys. And so that's what bothers me when I say, like, be honest about it. Like, just, I mean, and obviously they won't because it's all like covering up with PR and saying that they're listening to the fans. So, and obviously they're never going to admit that they're not listening to fans, but like, you're not like, they are just not listening to what fans want out of the game at all. Like, it's the same thing with the, with the conversations too, about stuff with like reviews, with like the offside reviews and stuff like that, where they give these bullshit answers. And I think there's a real component of this is that like, these people are obviously just very out of touch and are just doing things. That's just like deliberately making the game worse and are actively working against doing like growing the game itself. I mean, my God, like they've, they've been tripping over their feet over doing like best on best competition. Like how many things can we go through that we could be like the NHL should be doing X, Y, Z differently. There's so much, yeah, so much, maybe more than any other of the pro sports leagues, maybe with the exception of like baseball, but it's close, yeah. which is bad. <laughs> yeah. Baseball has uh, been bleeding viewers for a while, but yeah, I honestly, I hate to be like uh pessimistic about this, but I unfortunately think you're going to see fanatics and other sports eventually too. Like they'll, they'll continue to get their hooks into other, other leagues. And uh, unfortunately it seems like there's no uh, stop to their growth. And I, so I bet you will see them. And if you want to bet on something, Oh boy, you know where to do it, folks. Oh boy. DraftKings Sportsbook. We call folks, that a the... transition. Yeah, honestly, Let's I'll tell go. you what, Rasmus Ristolainen can make a transition play like that. He might, uh, he might still be in Buffalo. So the biggest tournament Thanks. in college basketball is underway. And folks, there's only what is there, like six teams left as we're talking right now? And by the mm-hmm. time you're hearing this, they'll be the final four. So things are really heating up this weekend. And, you know, the action's still getting started on uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line. So that's either the games coming up this weekend. Uh, and, and you would score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, you can combine multiple bets for a shot and even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boost all tournament long, so be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Now, I would like to take another victory lap, even though this one did not, it was not as good of a practical advice as Kansas is going to lose. Folks, what did I say? UCLA Gonzaga going to be another classic, and it was. Of course, I didn't tell you which way to bet, but the advice was you should watch the game and bet however you felt like. So if you bet on Gonzaga, at least for that game, good for you. If you bet on UCLA, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you to do that. Um, But I will tell you what, though. There's six teams left now, and by the time you're hearing this, there'll be four, like I said. The Final Four is coming up this weekend. And it looks good. UConn. And I think of UConn as kind of a more likable version of the Red Sox. And by that, I mean, well, here's the thing. I'm not saying it like they play similar style or fan base is the same or whatever, because I think UConn, Connecticut is Yankee territory, as I understand it. But the Red Sox, most seasons in the last, like, I don't know, 14, 15 years, they've one of two things. They're like, they kind of suck or they could win the World Series. So, like, I believe their run was if I'm not mistaken, they missed the playoffs in 10, 11, 12, won the World Series in 13, finished last in 14 and 15, 
They actually were in the playoffs in 16, 17, so that kind of cuts against it. They won the World Series in 18, missed in 19 and 20, and then we're in the ALCS, and we're up in the ALCS in 2021, and then they were bad last year, seemingly going to be bad this year. So it's UConn, it feels like, they only make the Final Four if they're going to win it all. They did that under Calhoun and Kevin Ali. Uh, they did the thing where they were just like, if we're going to win, we're going to win. Like, if we're not, we're not just going to, you're not going to see us losing the Elite Eight or the Final Four or losing the national championship. So 2011 and 2014, they were these kind of underdog teams that were, all of a sudden, they're thrust into the spotlight and they win it all. And I think this team's interesting because they're also kind of underseated. I think they're a four. And it's it's kind of like, hmm, why are they a four though? Why was Purdue a one and they're a four? Because they feel like they're really good. That the, their Ken Palm is really good. All their ratings, like their ratings, really good. They've been hot, and they're beating everyone's ass. Like they're not winning close games. They're destroying teams. They destroyed Gonzaga last night. Gonzaga like had no chance against them, and it was pretty clear from like the middle of the first half. It was insane. They're up by like thirty at one point. Gonzaga's good. Gonzaga just beat UCLA. Like it's insane. I know they're not as good as other Gonzaga teams, but. This is a long-winded way of me saying I feel like UConn's going to win it all, and you should bet your life savings wow. on that. No, life kidding. savings, okay, folks. <laughs> nope, no more to say. You heard it here first. Send all lawsuits to Taylor Nigrelli. Yeah, bet your life savings if your life savings is under five dollars. Good. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right, folks. Our next sponsor is uh, Buffalo's number one brewery, according to me. It's Thin Man Brewery. And like we said in the last episode, Super Freak is out again. So, uh oh. Yeah, folks want to go out there and get some Super Freak Hazy IPA. Absolutely. Uh, that's something you should be looking into. Uh, but there's a couple other things we want to talk about uh, with Thin Man. Brendan, when are you playing at Thin Man again? Uh, Thin Man Chandler on April 15th, actually. So here's, here's my pitch in this ad. Folks, you go to Thin Man Elmwood a lot. I know you do. You listening to this right now. Yes, you, even if you don't remember it. <laughs> you get your beer there. There's a lot of good stuff. Most of these events we have, um, we talk about, are at, at the Thin Man Elmwood location. Thin Man Chandler location is great. Lots of space if you need uh, to host an event. Maybe even a wedding. I've been to a wedding there and their second mm-hmm. floor. But if not, you just stop in. It's a very pleasant place to be. And hey, maybe you actually live closer to the Chandler Street location. You know, you want to try something new, get some variety in your life. I would check that out. They have pretty much all the same beers. They have cocktails and all that. And if you don't feel like doing that, if you want to go to the Elmwood one and you still want to get some variety in your life, you always drink beer there. Try their new cocktails. I saw some of their cocktails this past week. They looked awesome. So I'm going to try one the next time I'm there. And they oh, have yeah. some of the the bartenders that put the most care into making these items. Uh, I promise you won't have any uh, bozos like our liaison Yvonne back there making it for you. You're going to have a real professional. <laughs> By the way, shout out to uh, Yvonne's son, Luca, who was turned two this weekend. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the big guy. Uh, but no, like in all seriousness, they looked incredible when I saw them. I was not in a real cocktail mood, but as soon as I like woke up the next day, I was like, damn, I should have had one of those cocktails. So <laughs> if you're going to go to Thin Man Elmwood, I would say try the cocktail. That's my pitch in the ad this week. See Brendan play at Thin Man Chandler. What's the date again, Brendan? April 15th. 
April 15th, or just stop into Thin Man Chandler and see what it's all about there. It's a it's an interesting neighborhood. Like everyone knows Elmwood, and it's a great place, Elmwood Village. But have you been over to the Chandler area? You know, maybe you should uh, give it a try, people. It's a it's a cool little spot. So Absolutely. Thin Man Brewery, the official uh, sponsor for Tage for Heart. I don't know if they still think that, but. <laughs> You know we're what? Not, we we're not giving in to the McDemon until he actually wins. Page for hard 2023-2024. Yeah, okay, let's give in. Fair. <laughs> All right, and we're back, folks. And now switching gears here, in addition to taking on the Montreal Canadiens at home on Monday, the Sabres are also celebrating Pride Night. Very cool time. Very excited for the Sabres. Uh, very happy that the Sabres are actually going to be taking part in this because what we're going to be talking about now is the – major air quote controversy throughout the league right now with players and teams refusing to partake in pride night activities, which is just unbelievably cowardly and stupid. So just to kind of get into it here, I mean, let's be real here. We're talking about guys wearing warm-up jerseys for 20 minutes. We're talking about guys putting rainbow tape on their stick for 20 minutes as a simple show of support of unity of welcoming to the lgbtq plus community very very minuscule and we're talking about a a community here that in a lot of ways i mean we know that hockey is you know very much kind of centered around a lot of as is many sports this like macho overly masculine culture and it's fair to say, I, I think everybody would agree, that the NHL and all sports could do a much better job at growing their respective games and bringing in different types of people to be able to become fans of the game and be engaged with the game on a night-to-night basis. And Pride Nights are a really great way of doing that. Oftentimes, you'll see teams partnering with local you know, LGBTQ plus organizations in the community too, to have different kind of promotional events or whatnot, or initiatives throughout the game as that's going on as well. And it's just a, a good way for people to come together and feel like they are being able to be a part of something greater than them, you know, in terms of that beautiful thing that sports does. And so again, the thing about pride for me is that it, it makes people feel welcomed and people from a community that has long been persecuted simply because of who they are. So for people like Eric, St- like the Stahl brothers, for example, who are hiding behind religion, for example, as a reason to not wear a jersey for 20 minutes. I just have to ask again, is wearing that jersey for 20 minutes to show solidarity and make people feel welcomed and appreciated that much of an ask? Uh, You're not being asked to perform some grand gesture of allyship. You're being asked to wear a jersey for 20 minutes and maybe throw some colored tape on a stick. And if you can't do that because of personal beliefs or a religion, again, a very simple sense of acknowledging another person's humanity and just showing that they're welcomed, not to be disrespectful or anything like that, but what does that say about who you are, how you treat people, your values, and for that matter, too, what your religion is pre- is preaching that you should be practicing here? So I, I guess what what's so bothersome is that this conversation is turning into, oh, well, we need to respect people's opinion, and you're allowed to have differences of opinions on things. You do not get to have opinions on an innocent person's livelihood and think that, a group of people who are not harming you or harming anybody shouldn't exist. On top of that, we're also seeing people use the excuse of Russians and of course the political implications that, that come with that for one bill Daly of the NHL had said that there has been no indication to the league 
that there would be any sort of retaliatory efforts or anything like that on behalf of the Russian government, no threats or anything of that nature should a player participate in pride festivities. On top of that, I'm no expert when it comes to foreign policy and politics and everything like that, but I would think that it would probably make the Russian government a lot more angry seeing Russian players wearing U.S. military appreciation night jerseys and participating in that than it would be them wearing a jersey with a rainbow on the logo. So this whole thing has just spiraled into this mess. Obviously, with the Stahl brothers, of course, there was the incredible clip. It was like it was out of an episode of like Arrested Development or like a comedy show or something where Eric Stahl is being interviewed at his locker after he puts out this garbage statement, just ridiculous statement where a reporter asks him, well, for the Canadians last year, you participated in Pride and you wore a jersey for it in warmups. Why the change of heart this year? And this man, you could just, you didn't even have to like see the video. Like I heard the audio first initially, but then after seeing the video, you could tell either way, he's lying through his teeth as he's like, oh no, I I, I don't believe I ever did. I, I didn't do that before. I didn't wear a jersey for that before. And a person says there's actually like photographic evidence of it. Like we, there's video of you wearing the jersey in warmups and, and participating in it. And he doubles down. And I think that obviously probably speaks to a bigger conversation about the deniability in the age of social media. But we'll put that aside for right now. But again, it, this is just, in, I, I feel like I'm like losing brain cells the more and more that I'm I'm reading about this and looking into this because people are up in arms about doing the bare minimum of just showing a little bit of humanity, showing a little bit of compassion, a, a, a little bit of welcoming. And it's just, again, leading these teams to just having to, you know, whether it's maybe like a couple of guys then. I mean, I think it started with Philadelphia and then it went to Chicago and it's been a few teams now that have all – just completely rangers yeah who are completely scrapping their plans for it and i should say too that in the face of all of this happening i give a lot of respect again granted that we're talking about doing the bare minimum here but for some of the teams the sabers included kevin adams confirmed that the sabers are wearing jerseys and participating in pride night full-on which is great but you're also seeing guys really stepping up and talking about this you're seeing guys like Connor McDavid and Matthew Kachuk, two of two of the game's biggest stars, McDavid being the, the game's biggest stars, going out there and saying, no, like everybody's welcome in my locker room. We want people to feel welcomed. We are really excited to participate in it, not just saying we're going to do it, like saying that they're excited about it. And the thing is, is that they're just talking about it in a very matter of fact way and just being cool about it. So Taylor, what are your thoughts on some of this? I know I kind of just like went on and on there a little bit, but what are, I guess, what's your reaction to the discourse that's been happening surrounding this topic? So I think it's simple and I agree with the way Brian Burke laid it out. I think he laid it out in a very succinct manner. Based the long and short of it is we both know, and I think anyone who would deny this part of it is, is insane that no, like gay people have not been welcomed in most places in public life. And that's changed a lot in the last 15 to 20 years but in sports it has changed much slower you you we have never had a gay nhl player an openly gay nhl player i think uh there's only been like one in the nfl one in the or maybe two in the nfl yeah one in the nba like it's still a very rare thing in men's sports i should say women's sports it's a little bit less rare uh but yeah so that's so as a means of being like no you can come here and you are welcome 
And I think a lot of, is is a, I think it's a way of saying like a lot of gay people, gay men. I should I should say here in this in this scenario may think I uh, I I shouldn't be in sports. I'm not welcome there. And then in general, I think maybe the the, the broader LGBTQ community thinks I'm not welcome as a fan. So it's it's for two things. It's for a player, a potential player someday, maybe, but also more broadly, it's for the fans. So you are appreciated as a fan, and you are welcome to come to our games, and or if you're a reporter, you're a team employee, any of those things. Uh, so what you're saying when you put the jersey on, when you're being part of it, is you're welcome here. That's it. That's the whole statement, and that's what that's what Brian Burke said, and it's right. We're letting these other players reframe the argument in a way that's not. It's they're just they're living in their own reality and they're reframing it in a way that's friendly to them, but it's actually dishonest. So that's it. That's all you're saying. Yep. You're welcome here. So when you're not wearing the jersey, what you're saying is you're not welcome here. You're not you don't buy into anything else. You're not buying into any larger agenda. You're not buying into anything political. You're not buying into whatever else about being gay or trans or anything like that. What you're saying is they are welcome here. That's it. That's what the statement is. So if you if you don't want to wear the jersey, what you should say, and what I would have way more respect for is, I don't think gay and trans people are welcome here. That's being honest, at least. Yep. And I think the way that they framed it is very dishonest. Like, just th- there's no, like, nothing in your Christian belief that should say, I can't be around gay people, right? Even if you don't believe in gay marriage or whatever. Like, there's, and I, I, I have some disputes about that because, like, you, I respect religion, like all faiths and all that. People do choose what they believe. That is a, an active choice. Like it's been pointed out, it, it, like the Bible is literally against uh, like fabrics that are wearing uh, cotton. <laughs> well, no, it's like wearing multiple different types of fabric stitched together, which is a literal hockey jersey. You're mm-hmm. wearing your own hockey jersey. Like that's it's another thing. You choose something. So it says something about you if you still choose to be like, I can't be around gay people or whatever. But at least be honest about that if that's what you're gonna do. If if you want to say that. I said this on Twitter. Do not be a mealy mouth pansy about it. Just say it. Mm-hmm. Don't be, don't don't do that. And it's just ridiculous. I, I can't believe this. Some of the shit it's just allowed to fly. Like this is not about um, forcing people to be on your side at any particular issue, or unless the specific issue is these people are allowed to be around. Like they're welcome here as fans, teammates, and what you're you're telling those people they're not welcome. And and the Eric Stoll thing. That's a great point. That lying scumbag. He him Reimer. His brother, yep. everyone else, the only person I would say, and I don't want to say I have respect for him, I think at least you can say they wanted to take their own stand in a very stupid way, but they did it, is Provorov. Because no one ever in the, the, the years of the, – the very limited years of pride in the NHL, no one ever had the audacity to say I'm not doing this. Provorov at least had that. It's stupid and pretty, I guess, borderline evil or cowardly or whatever, but – he did it, and now all these players feel like they have cover. The Rangers and the Blackhawks thing, that's this disgraceful in their own way. But these other players feel like, oh, I, I can do this now because I have the, the cover from Provorov. And that's Stahl. Stahl wore the pride jersey. And I, this was pointed out by a, a podcaster I really enjoyed, John Cullen. He called him a coward's coward. That's a yeah. good way to put it. And he didn't even have the fucking balls to stand up there and say, like, yeah, I did it, but I didn't agree with it or something like that, or I changed my mind. He had to do like, which is unfortunately a very modern thing. Just be like, nope, that never happened. Oh, there's video of it. I don't care. Like, it that it's just it's, it's insane. insane to me. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's... And it means one of two things: either it meant so little to him, 
that he forgot about it. I think that happened two years ago, which means that it didn't mean it doesn't mean a lot to him. And this is a stupid stand or he's a coward and he didn't have the balls to say it back then. And he doesn't even the balls to admit that he did it. So that's the longest short of his. I, I look a lot of this is cowardly and dishonest. And if someone wants to say, I, I'm not doing this because you're not welcome. I mean, you'll probably get suspended, but at least I would, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? You're being honest about it. And the people, by the way, when I said it on Twitter and people wanted to say it, you're not, you're not, when you're saying that behind a fake, not a fake account, but an anonymous account, that's not actually ballsy. I'm not finding your IP address to find out who you are. Like, mm-hmm. go to hell. Put your real name behind it. Yeah. Or just don't do it. It's, it's, it's an easy thing not to do. Like, well, okay. just, yeah. Go okay. Go on. That's, that's, that's all I really had to say about it. Uh, Eric Stahl can go to hell for all I care. I've never liked him. And I think he's a piece of shit. His whole family's a piece of shit. And it, it'll be a better league when they're all out. So, and they should, they should be because they all suck. They're all we, washed up losers who should have retired five years ago. I agree with all of that for sure. I think there's one other piece of this conversation. The vast majority of people's hearts are in the right place on this issue and understand that Pride Night is a good thing and that people of whether it's your sexual orientation, whether it's your race, whether it's like any subset of people out there, any way you want to shape it, the vast majority of people want all of these different kinds of people to be welcomed into these spaces, into these big public spaces. So again, like if you're out there and you're thinking like, oh, well, like I, you know, most people like realize that this is the pride stuff is ridiculous. Like, buddy, you are wrong. Like the vast majority of people want to have a good heart and want to try and find the good in other people and find the good in the world and want to embrace things that are different from them or things that they don't understand. Please know that this is a podcast that is in full support of Pride Night being a thing. And quite frankly, the NHL doesn't do enough on this front and on many fronts in terms of making people from communities that have been excluded from this space feel more welcomed. Yes, I agree. Do we want to uh, close out on a later note? (laughs) Probably. Yeah. What do you got? So we tweeted about this, but I totally forgot to bring it up on last episode, but uh, so a fellow in our section, when Brendan and I and our friend Mike went to the game on Monday, bad game, uh, got tossed, which is not that rare. I've seen people get tossed from Sabres games, Bills games before it happens. Usually just security comes over and then they get kind of mad and leave. I've seen Leafs fans kind of have to get manhandled, which is pretty funny. But this time, Monday night, not a good game. Tuesday night it was, right? Actually, Brennan? Yeah. Yeah, Tuesday night. Sorry, Tuesday night's game against the Predators. Tuesday Because Monday night was our trivia. What am I saying? Tuesday night, we... um. You see the guy, so it's like he's uh, quite a few rows ahead of us, and just uh, let's just say that we weren't in the same section the whole game. So we literally got to that section for the second period. So we we go there, and the guy gets the security's going down there to tell him to leave. We couldn't even hear him, but he had been yelling and stuff. And then he comes yeah. up, and he looks like a man that's uh, enjoyed some drinks not just that night, but throughout the years. I would say <laughs> older fellow, probably like sixty. Uh, and it seems like his kids are following him out and they're both kind of like embarrassed and shaking their heads They're, but they're not, they're not kid kids. They look early twenties, late teens, yeah. maybe. And so then like some other people come by and they have ice cream and Brandon got a great idea. Let's, let's go get ice cream. <laughs> we're like we're five... getting our asses kicked. Let's go get some yeah. fucking ice cream to feel better. It was like five, two or six, two at that point. So we got up to get ice cream. We go in the hallway and the number of security around this guy has increased dramatically because he was getting walked out by three, four guys. All of a sudden there's like six, seven guys and he starts fighting them and he does pretty okay for a little while. Like he's throwing punches 
And so one of the bigger guys kind of gets him from behind and like gets him on the ground. And like, you know what the concourse grounds like, it's basically concrete slams his head on the ground, but he doesn't stop. He keeps struggling, keeps struggling. So we're like, screaming. Yeah. He's screaming. And his kids are just kind of looking on. And I, I was like, what do we do? Cause we had to walk past him to get ice cream. So we were just kind of standing there. Uh, like uh like looking at each other and then one of the security while the good people are still wrestling him on the ground starts directing traffic like it's one lane closed on a road and he's like oh you go here you guys go by this way so he starts directing us past him so we get our ice cream and it goes on forever the guy won't stop struggling and then i would say conservatively like 15 erie county sheriff's deputies come over to get him and arrest him he did not fight them smart by him i guess he was not doing well in the, the previous fight and gets walked out but he uh i've never seen that at a sabers game i've never seen someone arrested i mean i've seen people arrested at bill's games but first time for everything i guess i've probably been to 100 sabers games in my life you know you are down bad if you are getting your shit kicked in by a group of 60 year old men in blazers and that was the case <laughs> with this guy None of the security guards were particularly young. The ushers were fucking throwing down. They were like, no, we are not doing that. Because the guy was just out of his mind. I mean, he was unwell, folks. He was unwell, and he was being the worst type of fucking sports fan. Just super unruly. Like, out in the hallway, it was... It was wild. Like when he initially started fighting back, it was like, oh, no, he's going to really try and do this right now? Like, buddy, if you... It's a lot of guys to fight against. The ball's on that guy. Let me tell you, man. Like, you are at a Sabres game with your kids. Other people's kids are around. Some innocent people are just trying to get some ice cream while the Sabres are getting their ass whooped. And you just choose violence. Yeah, I would say I'm the most surprised, considering, like, I, you know, I've seen people throwing out of games before, but that the most violent one I've ever seen was a Tuesday against Nashville in not a close game when the playoff race at that point was seemingly dead. So you never know, I guess. Listen, man, the Lexus Club was going up on a Tuesday. What can you say? My man had a had a couple too uh too many blue lights. Happy anyway, Tuesday, any... everybody. Yeah, happy Tuesday. Anyone have any recommendations? Yeah, baby. S- Succession season four premiere is on tonight. I I think we've talked about Succession before on here as a recommendation at some point or another. The final season is beginning. Folks, if you do not watch Succession, start it. Get caught up before the end of the year. It's ending again with its fourth season right now. Maybe the top show I've ever watched where you are just hooked on how much you hate all of the characters. Uh, Except Tom and Greg. Except Tom and Greg. Well, Greg, I'm curious for what's going to happen here, though. Tom is a cuck, man. (laughs) <laughs> he's such a cuck oh. yeah i well maybe not anymore we'll see how it i goes. think greg has been playing the long game i've seen people suggest that like even though it seems predictable with him kind of being like the goofy one that if everybody screws themselves out of the company but like i was reading an article i can't remember where it was but somebody like was going through like the very calculated minor points where greg shows that he's actually pretty smart at points he's a dumbass but like it kind of had me thinking like is greg playing the long game right now like he's he just been like accumulating a bunch of evidence against everybody because i'm pretty sure he has stuff against every single member of the family yeah it's the jar jar binks theory basically essentially yes greg is jar jar binks interesting interesting what are you recommending Uh I saw Creed 3 this weekend. Did you like it? Uh, 
Yeah, it's pretty good. I didn't love it, but I think it was it was interesting. It was in I think one the big accomplishment of the movie is they shot a boxing match in a way I've never seen before, which is hard because boxing matches all kind of look the same. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of boxing movies, so that was the way they shot it was very cool. The last fight, uh, unfortunately, one of the stars of the movie was arrested this weekend. Yeah, so. Jonathan Majors. He actually just put out a statement before we started recording. Pretty much saying, like, unequivocally denying everything and then saying that they have video and written evidence that what happened isn't what happened. So I guess I guess we'll, we'll see you there. Yeah. Uh, well, good for him. Um, or maybe not good for him. I maybe guess we'll not. see. We will see on that one. TBD. Keep an TBD. eye on that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. Um, very good. Uh, Love Tessa Thompson, too. Tessa Thompson, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, there's some flaws to it. It's not a perfect movie, but it's worth seeing sure. and you're going to enjoy it. And it, it succeeds at what it wants to succeed at, I think. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 a good watch, I would say. Nice. Love it. Any other thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor, before we sign off for the day? You got a random Sabres player? Uh, yes. Based on this weekend in college hockey, I'm going to go with Dave Snuggerud. Wow. All right. I'll go with Mike Card for mine. Oof. Oof is right. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows across both networks. And you're following both of our networks on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Again, wherever you're listening to this episode, whether it is Spotify, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever it may be, make sure you are subscribed and or following Straight Up Sabres, and we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a nice little rating or review, as always. And, of course, last but not least, our sponsors of this podcast. We have both DraftKings. Make sure you're using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And Thin Man Brewery. Head over to either location on Elmwood or Chandler Street. Take advantage of the incredible drink selection, the incredible food selection, and the incredible selection of great times that will be had there. And, again, as a reminder, April 24th will be the next Straight Up Sabres Buffalo Sports Trivia Night at Thin Man Elmwood. So mark your calendars, folks. We'll be back with a brand-new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Hey,